Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. What's going on, guys? Dr. Andrew Fix back with the code. Again, I'm from Physio Room. I'm a physical therapist, and we're doing another interview episode today. Uh, I'm sitting in the gym with Lizzie Walterbeek, owner of Embodied Movement Training Systems here in Centennial, Colorado. Lizzie, thanks for having me over here, and thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. Well, Lizzie, what I would love for you to do is just sort of like paint the picture, give us your background a little bit, how you got into, you know, starting your business, how you wound up here. Just like, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, you got it. Um, So from like mid teenage years, probably I've always had sort of a thing for fitness working out. Um, I, you know, kind of just start on what makes my business different, what makes, uh, what makes me different Um, for how I got started. I had an eating disorder for years. I kind of worked through that through fitness and, and went through a lot of different journeys and phases with what my goals were and what I was trying to accomplish. And when I got to college, I decided I wanted to, you know, really incorporate fitness or, you know, the body somehow in my life and in my job eventually. So I got my degree in athletic training, uh, which is, you know, kind of similar to, let's say, like sports medicine, right? One degree down from physical therapy, which obviously you guys talk about a lot here. So a lot of parallels. And during my senior year of uh, my program, I ended up going to the Air Force Academy for an internship down in Colorado Springs. I worked with wrestling and football and I just loved it. I loved the type of work. I loved Colorado. Um, I was in Florida at the time. So I kind of decided that I was going to make the trek out here after I had graduated. I didn't really have a plan for what I was going to do when I got out here. I just kind of made the move and I decided that I was going to start by just working at a gym. I like had the background and I said, you know, I'll start by being a personal trainer, see if anything else pops up. Yeah. And I think with the skill set that I had in that setting, um, it kind of helped me stand out. Mm-hmm. It helped me fill some voids for some of the other trainers' clients that, you know, maybe they didn't have the experience or whatever to do. And um, kind of got my, you know, my rhythm into it, really started to enjoy the type of work that I was doing and started to really like differentiate who I was and, you know, how I wanted to work with people. Um, And after about a year of working for a corporate gym, I decided to branch out on my own. Like I said, I I really wanted to do things differently. I feel like the corporate setting kind of like limited me and my accessibility to the people that I wanted to reach, how I wanted to do things. And, you know, corporate gym settings, the structure you know, how you get paid, all that stuff is just not where I wanted to stay forever. So I kind of got the urge, the desire to go out on my own. And that happened in August of 2020. And pretty much since then, like, it's just been a journey. Um, It's been an awesome, like learning process. And now, you know, my primary goal goal is to just help people move better, feel more comfortable in their bodies. Um, I really focus on high quality pain-free movement. I don't Mm -hmm. do a lot of weight loss. I don't do a lot of um, aesthetic change, you know, no competitions or anything. Um, very much focusing on the individual and helping them feel the best they possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. And I hear you say that a lot, you know, high quality, pain-free movement, making sure people are moving correctly and understanding, you know, and learning how they're supposed to move with various 
activities, whether we're talking about squats or deadlifts or, or whatever that might be. Yep. But um, it's been a while since I talked to you about, you know, moving from from Florida to, to out here. Um, but so many people do that, right? They like, they come to Colorado and then they decide they're going to move to Colorado, whether they have a plan or not. Right. I talked to someone recently who just moved here back in November and they were like, yeah, I left Ohio and I just came out here to visit somebody. And then I decided that I was going to move here and just figured it out once I got here. Totally. Um, I hear that story a lot. Um, so what types of like different sports and activities and things did, did you enjoy doing while you were growing up? Yeah. Um, I actually, as you know, I was always athletically inclined, but I was never really talented at any sport. Sure. And I, I had a hard time really getting into competitive sports. Like I didn't like team or group activities very much. Um, I was a lot more of a lone wolf in that sense. So I started lifting and getting into like, you know, exercise in that form, weightlifting when I was probably like 15 or 16. Um, within a few years, a lot of people around me were bodybuilding. Yep. Um, so I kind of got pulled into that world a little bit. And like I said, with the eating disorder background, it was a little shifty, but like ultimately sports wise and what was appropriate for me, like the kind of sport that I wanted to participate in, like it was perfect in a lot of ways. Um, so I focused in that realm for probably two or three years. I only competed once, but you know, it was an awesome experience. Um, and then I dabbled in like some powerlifting, some CrossFit, yeah. um, and just always kind of stayed more in the realm of like the gym. Yeah. Um, but you know, awesome experiences and it's really helped me to like adapt to the kind of people that I see now and allows me to like see a wider range of people and really help. Sounds, you know, a little different in the aspect of, you know, you went to school for athletic training and stuff, but some parallels there to like my wife's situation, Erin same, you know, story. She grew up, you know, she was like the person on the youth soccer team that was like playing with the dandelions while the other people are like chasing the ball yes. over here. And so she, or she's playing softball and she's like playing in the, in the infield dirt and stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, she was like totally. never the like team sport competitive type of person. Like I was growing up. Yep. And then, you know, her sister is a very talented runner, mm -hmm. all American in college runs, runs as an adult now, like very fast female runner. And, um, you know, Aaron was, you know, starting to get involved in personal training like as a client, right. She starts working right. with a personal trainer pretty much like right before we met back in 2016. And then she started to get getting asked by the trainer, like, you know, what, what do you want to train for? What type of goals do you have? And she's like, you know, I don't know. My sister runs marathons and runs races. I hate running. Yeah. She's like, I don't play sports. I, you know, I don't want to do this stuff. So then she ended up basically finding like the gym as her like competition type of place. And she competes with herself and pushes herself in the gym. Yep. She ended up training for some shows and stuff. Like, like you just said, yep. um, you know, the last one that she did was almost two years ago now, yep. but, um, but yeah, it just sort of took on like competition a little different way. And now she is so passionate about working out and training and being in the gym. And she trains a couple clients as well, virtually. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I think, you know, be it's always funny because people always ask me like, oh, so who are your favorite sports teams or whatever? Sure. Honestly, I don't really like sports that much. I don't really <laughs> care. I think that they're fascinating. I think that, you know, the technique, the skill, the repetition, the body awareness, like all of the stuff that goes into sports, I love. And I love working with athletes in that sense because I know that I have an eye for mechanics and for efficiency and for sure. like, if I can apply what I've learned and how the body moves to athletes, great. 
Um, but as far as like the actual, you know, me doing it or watching football or anything on TV, like, I don't really right. care. I'll go, I'll watch for, you know, when the athletic trainer runs out on the field, and you're like, oh, you know, yeah. what's what happening? Right. What, what's the they always cut out at that part anyway. So it's drives me nuts when that happens because, you know, you and I are those two weird type of people who like, we want to see the yes. replays of yes. the potentially, you know, really nasty looking injury or something, but they, yeah. when it's real bad, they never do show the replays and you have to right. find myself looking it up on YouTube um, later yeah. for who, who happened to have their camera on the screen. So, okay. So you moved out here. You said August of 2020, right. Is when you like fully dove in. Is that what you said? Yeah. I moved out here in July of 2018, okay. right when I graduated. And then yeah, spent about a year. Oh, so I guess I started in 2019. Okay. Before. I was going yeah, to, yeah, yeah. that makes more sense. Cause like Love when it. I met you, I was like, I thought you already were like starting this. Um, yeah. cause I think we met in the summer of 2020 basically. Yep. Um, okay. So you moved out here in 2018, started Embody movement in 2019. Yeah, moved here in 2020. So this private space that I have oh, here. Oh, to this, this location. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. You got it. Got it. Uh, like I said, the the small business route, I never necessarily envisioned myself being an entrepreneur, running my own business, anything like that. But I think that there were so many like opportunities and so many benefits to doing it this way. And as far as like building and growing a business, you know, also you being in BNI and like having the opportunity to network and to like market myself in a more authentic way, in a in a in a personal way. Because, you know, I care about helping people. Like I know right. everyone says that, but I want to learn about your life and learn how your life has been affected by your chronic pain or the injuries that and surgeries that you had 10 years ago. And, yeah. you know, kind of fill in some of those gaps for people who don't quite understand why they're not feeling the way that they want to be feeling when they're moving or they're constantly hitting plateaus or getting stuck. Um, those are things that I love to yeah. learn and help people with. There's a theme here on this show for any of you guys listening that you can hear whenever we interview somebody, it seems like we, without necessarily prompting from me, we wind up on this topic of like the purpose of your business and the passion in your business is, you know, it's more of a relational aspect yes. than a transactional aspect. Totally. Like, of course, yes, there has to be finances in order to, you know, allow you to help people and work with people in the way that, that you want to, and that's going to help them, but that's not the goal, right? right. The goal is to build relationships and then the relationships is what's going to help you help them accomplish what they're looking to do. Um, and then the finances just figure themselves out at the end of the day when, when all that gets taken, taken place. Yeah. I like to say the, um, the margin fuels the mission type mm -hmm. of thing. Like there has to be money in order to allow you to Correct. do, to reach your mission or to chase your mission, but that's the goal. The mission's the goal. So, you know, it seems like, so like a lot of potential trainers do that end up going out on their own, you know, you started working at a, you know, a corporate place. And I think the, the thing that people see maybe is like, maybe there's more security in a, in a big corporate setting, but usually people end up feeling like, but I can't do what I really want to be able to do yep. unless I go out and do this thing on my own. So have you, since you decided to leave the corporate setting, start your own business, have you ever had any, like, I don't know if regrets is the right, right word, but have you like, missed that corporate setting at all? Mm -hmm. Or are you like so happy that you have this now? And even though there's different challenges, it's been worth it for you. Definitely more the latter, but like there are, like we were talking about before we started some of the illusions of security that we like really mm -hmm. relate to corporate settings like sure. that, right? Um, so it was nice to walk in and have a pool full of people to pull from that I didn't, you know, and have call lists of people that I could contact and you know, just have more, more repetitions, especially when I was learning how to talk to people and how to sell myself because it's necessary. 
like that really gave me the opportunity to like build confidence and security in myself. Yeah. Um, which I appreciate it was, it served the purpose that it should have, but definitely since I've been off, like I said, it's everything else is so much more authentic and everything else just kind of flows into my life in the way that I want it to versus that sort of like forced, like, you know, inauthentic, um, interaction that I was having on a more regular basis. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. love this. I mean, definitely comes with its, its ups and downs. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, we have to work no matter what. And this is what I love doing. And it's the best, you know, possible scenario that I could have gotten into. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. We all can't win the lottery. Right. Um, I heard, I heard a story yesterday. I was listening to sports radio and someone was talking about, you know, putting some money into like lottery tickets. Cause there was some $400 million take home prize or something. And how they got on this topic was like one of the NFL team owners recently, like a few days ago or a week ago, just bought a title belt from Muhammad Ali's boxing days for $6.1 million to get this piece of memorabilia. And so then they were, you know, they were basically debating on the show. Is there anything that you would spend $6 million on? And basically the guy said, even if I won this $400 million lottery, I would not spend $6 million on a piece of memorabilia. But yeah, to each their own. But um, but yeah, I'm with you. If you are going to have to work anyways, right. you might as well be do, doing something that you're like extremely passionate about. Yes. Um, because you could make money over here, you could make money over there. And, you know, where are you going to be the happiest at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, so what I would love for you to do since you started, you know, this business in a different location in 2019 and then nine months later or whatever, the COVID pandemic starts. Yeah. Would you, so you were relatively new, like in your own personal business. And we've talked to a couple people that uh, of course have their own business who have like gone through this, this pandemic together. But what was that time like Mm. for you, you know, not even being a year in all into your business and then the world kind of shuts down for a couple of weeks or a couple of months there in early 2020. Yeah. Um, super interesting. Cause like you said, I, dove in head first, not having any of the skills or the knowledge necessarily to do what I was doing. Um, my wife was the one who, and like my wife now is actually the one who kind of helped support me and encourage me and give me a lot of the, um, the steps to starting my own business. And she supported mm-hmm. a ton of that while I was going through it and, you know, suggested I do BNI and like really just help me navigate the process. So, um, I think having her there like throughout the entire beginning and then when the pandemic hit, having that support system was huge. And it also helped me to realize that like, I can be resilient. I can shift. I have, mm-hmm. I still have the capacity to, to face challenges, even though I'm new and it's not something I'm necessarily comfortable with. Yeah. Um. So, right. Obviously the beginning was tough because the two months of the shutdown, essentially like I couldn't work for all of March until probably May. Um. So that was tough. But after that, you know, I think, because two months later, I got into this private space. Really, my intention when the world shut down was to get into a private space of my own so that I could have that one-on-one time. I could create the social distance. I could have the cleanliness. Like I could provide yeah. people with a space that they still felt comfortable coming to. You could create the environment. Correct. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, it worked out really well. Like I want to say that 2020, not anymore, luckily, because my business has grown and things have gotten better. But like that was such a good year for me because... I had created a situation that made people feel comfortable and mm-hmm. people had the time and the resources and were willing to spend their money during a time where like 
they couldn't even really go to the grocery store. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're not going out to eat, spending money, yes. like yes. restaurants are either closed or very minimal capacity yep. for all a the, long time. Yeah. All the extras, like nails and vacations and things like that. They just weren't happening. So people were willing to allocate their money toward mm-hmm. their health and fitness being yeah. cooped up in their homes. And so really that whole year um, and well into probably the first half of 2021 was just awesome. And I was busy and um, consistent. And that was actually when I uh, came up with the idea to add on an employee um, in April of 2021. And um, one of my clients was, had been working with me for about four months and I had mentioned it to him because he noticed how busy I was. And I was like, I'm really looking for somebody like that I can bring on as an intern that's moldable, that has the education that I'm looking for. Um, like I'm okay with a little bit less experience because I want to create, like yeah. help them create their style and make it mesh with my brand and everything right. like that. So I brought my employee Maddie on in uh, May of 2021 and she started working, taking clients of her own in August. Yeah. Um, Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. That's been a year. Yes. It's been a year. Yeah. It's her about to be, uh, you know, it's about to be August next week. Yeah. We were as just of the talking. recording of this. So crazy. Yeah. So, and then unfortunately, like the world kind of started to shift back, right? People, I became blatantly aware of how much money and time and resources people normally allocate to other things. Sure. And, you know, everybody was super stir crazy and wanted to take vacations and, we're going back out more often without masks. So people were getting sick and it was just like, there was so much variety, yeah. uh, variability there that, that then became a challenge. But, you know, um, I would always kind of tell myself, like, if I could handle the challenge of the pandemic, I could handle the challenge of going back to real life. You know? Yeah. So I, that's for sure. Yeah. Even, even though after being, you know, living a certain way for basically two years, going back to real life does feel uh, abnormal because that's not what you've been doing for the last two years. But um, yeah, you're totally right. Like my wife and I recently traveled, like it seems like everybody is like traveling now. Airlines are probably having a hard time. There's like delays everywhere because, you know, the places are just packed. But I think, you know, I don't know how long, but that's going to rebound and things are going to hopefully steadily trail back to like what real normal feels like a little bit here as you know i think even though you know whether someone's a fan or not i think like sporting events concerts like these like types of activities that we were all very accustomed to doing that we basically were unable to do for a year you know as the, those things get back to more normal and i think that's like an indication that like everything else is moving back to normal too yep um and um yeah i think you started to go down this uh, path of, you know, you brought on a team member to your team, which opens up a whole new set of challenges, right? Where you're not now the only person um, that you're responsible for, you know, there's someone else's thoughts and ideas and whatnot to take into consideration when you guys are making decisions, um, even, even though you're the owner of the business. So how have, how have you seen, you know, some like growth or change in yourself in the last year, having a team member that you share space with and collaborate with and strategize with and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's been interesting, right? Cause same thing. Like I, I knew that that was the next step in growth that I wanted to take. I was sustaining for a long enough period of time where it seemed really um, appropriate and, you know, and then things kind of got tossed up in it and it became hard. And then she was entering a situation where there was more variability than there had been in two years. And I, 
Um, I think for us to work together to navigate that was, it was really challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw myself kind of showing up. I've always wanted to like educate and teach. I feel yeah. like most of who I am as a personal trainer, you know, even with that title, I don't feel like it quite gets at all the things that I, that I do and that I want to be doing. But so I, to kind of be like a mentor or to educate somebody on like my process and what I went through. I mean, I started my business when I was 23. 24, 23 or 24. Yeah. And Maddie's also, uh, she's 23 now. She was 22 when she graduated and, and kind of signed on. So I have like a special spot in my heart for her. Cause it's hard to just like go out and start doing something. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I had a year to get my feet on the ground and to like have that sort of security blanket and figure it out that like yeah. she didn't get. So I tried my hardest to like, just give her information, ask her questions, like make her feel like she had a safe space to give input. Yeah. Um, you know, take as many opportunities as I could to just like teach her stuff. Cause that's the only way that you learn when you just go out and do this yeah, experience and sure. mentorship. And so, um, you know, it's been really fun when, like when I have my life together and when things are good and I can show up for her, like it's very exciting. It's very fulfilling. It's very, um, like it adds a ton of value to my life and my day and my business. Yeah. Um, but it definitely is hard when you're like, struggling personally things in your own life are kind of going and when it's just you mm-hmm. some of that stuff can sort of happen and yeah. nobody gets affected right you, um, yeah you're not accountable to anybody right. but yourself right. right yeah um so there definitely have been times where like you know she's been strong and resilient and stuff when i've kind of struggled and um and i got really lucky you know not everybody can bring on a person and have them stick around for a year especially mm-hmm. when things you know um when there's a lot of variety i mean i changed a lot of things over the course of the first couple months that I brought her on. And as far as business structure, pricing, like what I was doing because I was trying to adapt um, to circumstances and stuff. And she just like was a trooper about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how, you know, no matter the dynamic, like what role you're in, what role she's in, like, okay, yes, you're her boss at the end of the day, you sign her paychecks type of thing. But isn't it interesting how we all need support? No matter, you know, you could be the top position at some X, Y, and Z company, but that doesn't mean that you always are going to have it all figured out and have your life together. You're going to need support from people that, according to the organizational chart, might be below you. So, I mean, we all need that at the end of the day, which is, which is what I think makes, you know, having like a team environment or, or having other coworkers or friends and whatnot so valuable. Um, And then you kind of mentioned, you don't think that trainer or personal trainer kind of like is a title that encompasses all of what you do. And and I would agree. Mm-hmm. I grew up, you know, in the, in the team sports type of aspect, like played a couple sports in high school, three sports in high school, two sports in college. So like the term trainer in my head is, you know, linked with the athletic trainer, yeah. right? Cause we didn't, you never would say the term athletic trainer when the coach says, Hey, your knee hurts. Go, go see, see the trainer, trainer yep. right? Yeah. Go see the athletic trainer or go see the AT. Yep. And so when I hear someone talk about a personal trainer, well, depending on how you work with clients, you're doing a lot more than just, you know, coaching them through a couple movements from an exercise standpoint. You might be coaching them through their life. You might be coaching them through different obstacles that they have going on outside of their life that are impacting what's going on. You might be coaching them whether or not you are telling them what to eat. It might be like, Hey, food choices, this right. type of thing. I like to use the term coach yeah. more than trainer yeah. because I think the coach is maybe a more broad encompassing term that like, like I'm your guide right here type of thing. I can't do it for you. Like right. no one would say that the 
you know, the coach maybe is not quite as important as the players on the field in a team sport thing because they didn't win the game, but they guided the team to, you know, whatever the outcome was. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Gave them resources, all thing. Mm -hmm. It's funny because when I was in school, um, everybody would always like all the athletic trainers that were in the space and working would always get frustrated when people would call them a coach because they felt like it reduced uh, sure. like their title. And I guess like in that sense, I understand, but it, like you said, it's so much more than just like coaching people on movements or teaching people yeah. how to do something. Right. Um, and I, you know, I value my education and my, my internship experiences, the, the mentors that I had along the way so much, like, I just feel like I got such an incredible like understanding of how things play into each other. And that like, to me, exercise is on the rehab spectrum. Like everything's from, you know, immobile and uh, incapable of moving to like peak performance and yeah. everything in between can be rehabilitative, can be injury preventative, can be um, like, can help moderate or modify people's chronic pain and just like daily experience. Cause everybody mm -hmm. has that, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know anybody who doesn't have an ache, pain, stiffness, like <laughs> yeah, something, right? Um, and, you know, fortunately, but unfortunately, the more that you move your body, the more intensely you move your body, the more, you know, um, dynamic you move your body, you set yourself up for to potentially get injured or have more of those issues. So, you know, my resource, me as a resource in those situations are just helping to like mitigate that injury process as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm also like, qualified and certified to do some body work, to do some stretching. So yeah. I can, you know, I also have that aspect of being able to say, like, if one of my clients comes in and their low back is just lit because of their life, um, you know, we can take the first five to 10 minutes to stretch out their lower half, um, do some corrective exercises to prime them and make sure that they feel good. So that by the time we start moving, they feel better. Yeah. Um, and I can't say that every personal trainer that I know has the skills to actually do that. Well, I can tell you that not every personal trainer does have the skills to do that because um, whether this is right or wrong, the barrier to entry to the profession not is big. not a large one, not right? Big. So you can, and this is true of a lot of different professions. Some have much larger barriers to entry. Some require particular degrees and programs and, you know, X, Y, and Z type of certifications. Some require an online course that you could have no prior coursework and knowledge like you google it you yeah the right quizlet that somebody yeah. already you can answer the answer the quiz and then you get your certification and boom now i can do this career that someone else like yourself might have extensive knowledge that is way greater than that yeah. um so one of the things that i think is awesome like about your situation is relative to what i would consider the average personal trainer of you know the hundreds that i've met if i just average those all out you have a much more extensive anatomical knowledge right. than the typical person, um, which is comforting to me knowing like, hey, if I have somebody that is going to work with you, I don't have to, like, I would follow up on that person just from the relational aspect, yeah. but I don't have to like keep tabs on or follow up to know that they're getting the care and the attention that they need because that's just, that's already a given. Right. Right. So. Yeah. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's, it's been kind of frustrating throughout the process because right like I'm not here to judge anybody or say anybody's right. better or worse but at the same time like you said that I've always since I started my my degree since I started my program I was like I have to learn this stuff and mm -hmm. I have to integrate this stuff and I have to understand how to think critically through things and like look right. at the individual in front of me and I feel like you know because I hold that in such high regard um it it does make me stand out and be different because you know unfortunately 
fortunately, but unfortunately, there are a lot of people who enter the fitness realm and decide they really love it. And it's really exciting and they have their own journey. So maybe I'll like coach somebody else. Um, and being a motivator and a cheerleader is a good part. Like it's an exciting, it's a fun part of mm -hmm. the job, but you know, we also have the potential to really hurt people. Like we're working with people's bodies where they're moving yeah. heavy objects, odd objects, like intensely or more frequently than they do in their day-to-day -day life. So like you really have, in my opinion, you really just have to have a solid understanding of all the factors um, and that, yeah. how to make changes. What's going on code listeners, Dr. Andrew Fix here. And I want to tell you about our friends at Element. Element makes a tasty electrolyte drink with everything that you need and nothing that you don't. That means the science-backed electrolyte ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium, and none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. And that's why I use it. I've been taking Element for two years now, and I absolutely love the stuff, and I wouldn't want to exercise without it. For all of you code listeners and friends of Physio Room, Element's offered a special to you guys, and I want you to take advantage of it. Go ahead and visit drinkelement.com slash physio room. That's drinklmnt.com slash physio room to receive that special offer. You're going to get a free variety pack with any purchase that you place. And uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. Thanks so much. I've kind of let us, we've gone on some tangents here, but what I wanted to sort of like ask you and maybe, maybe back up just a touch um, so that you have an opportunity to dive back into you know, who you work with, what you do yeah. here at Embodied Movement Training Systems. So if somebody's listening to this podcast and, you know, what would you tell somebody that you meet out in the community about like what they can expect when they come in here? Like, what is your process like of working with a client? You meet someone new, they decide they're going to come in for that like initial visit with you. What can someone expect to work with you guys? Yeah, totally. So we always do a free 40 minute, five minute consultation to introduce. It's always in person because we do extensive like movement assessments, which to me is the most valuable, valuable part about coming in for a consult with us is that we take the time to look at how you move before we have you move intensely and with weight, right? Like mm -hmm. when I was at 24 hour, uh, their consultation process looked like five minutes of talking and 45 minutes of making people sweat. Mm -hmm. And like, I understand, but at the same time, there's a lot more information gathering. So I kind of built the consultation based off of my um, evaluation process when I was in school, going over history, going over goals, going over personal life, going over like really getting to know the person in front of me so I can understand what factors have contributed to yeah. where they are right now and where we're trying to take them. Yeah, it's always fun when I get to, whether I'm like filling out papers or this is on a digital, you know, iPad or computer and I get to that question on some sort of like history form and it's like surgical history. And there's like usually not enough lines for me to write down all the okay. stuff that I do. Specific. It's like, all right, I've had five major surgeries. There's not five lines here. So let me try to write as small as I can to, yeah. to fill this in. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. So you have them, you go through an extensive history and getting to know all of the facets about, about that individual. Yep. And then we move into the, uh, the movement portion, the movement assessment portion. I always go over a squat, a hinge, a core stability test and overhead range of motion. And then depending, I have a lot of people who come in and say like, my hamstrings are just really, really tight. Um, I'll do a mobility versus stability hamstring restriction test. 
um, just to kind of see, is this really a flexibility issue or is there some strength deficit here that we're missing? What do you tend to find? Um, a lot of the times it's stability yeah, more than right. mobility, right? They're having weakness in their hips and their core. They're not able to, uh, yeah, get their body and their brain to feel safe enough to have that range of motion in their hammies. So, um, you know, but all good information to have. And most people are, you know, have the wrong idea, yeah. um, which is understandable, sure. but, but it really helps. And I think that portion is so important because it's really reflect, it really reflects back to the client, like, oh, like these are all the things that I'm doing that have never felt good or that feel just off. And yeah. uh, we'll make corrections during some of those portions and I'll give more cues and I'll see how they respond. Like it's also some feedback for me to see how engaged is this, is this person? How mm-hmm. mindful are they willing to get um, when I give them a verbal cue and um, and they try to execute? Like, can they self-reflect in that moment? Like, did I do what she asked? Yeah. Or did I not? Right. Um, you know, tons of intricacies in there, but like very, very important for both of us, in my opinion. Um, and then at the end, we'll go over like general idea for plan program. Um, and I always like take people through phase programs. I've used kind of like a three phase model to where when I was in school, there was, we learned like certain week periods, the first adaptations that you get are more like neural, right? They're, they're brain adaptations. It's coordination. It's, it's all the stuff that happens very quickly when you're mindful and intentional and, and do it repetitiously, I guess. And then next phase is more actual like strength building, right? Muscular adaptation, habit forming, all of that stuff, getting out of pain, feeling stronger, feeling more mindful, whatever. And then in that phase three, it's really just like, how do we, now that we've established the foundational strength and we've really been intentional and we have new patterns, like how do we set you up for long-term sustainability? And like I said, it's just, it's a, it's a process that I built based off of things that like hours and hours of working with people and just seeing what the best the best way to set people up yeah. for success was so and then after that people come in and they start executing their program and it's all very personal and individual based off things that i found in the assessments and you know it's adaptive and we're able to like like i said if somebody comes in one day and they're like hey i'm really not feeling well yeah we have other options you see and that's the part right there that like one of the major factors that i think sets apart a good coach from a not quite as good coach is the ability to adapt based on the scenario that's in front of you. Like, you know, maybe you have planned a relatively heavy deadlift day for somebody or squat day or whatever it is, relatively heavy intensity day. But then they come in and told you, you know, my new baby was my, my nine month old was up all night. I got two hours of sleep well, there's a good chance that you're probably going to scrap the plan that you had, adapt it based on the scenario because their body's probably not in the best place, even though they could potentially, um, you know, handle that. Yeah. Is it the best decision? Probably not. Correct. Right. So like that's, that's something that I think is like, that's one of the biggest value pieces that I find to why should somebody work with a coach? Why should somebody work with someone who individualizes the program to them? And what is different about that compared to going to a group exercise class that has 25 people in it where the people who are instructing that class, they don't really have the ability usually to make those modifications for everybody. Right. They can make some very general modifications, yes. but they can't individually adapt it to each person in the room. Right. Unrealistic, not the goal or intention, right? right? Like when people go to those classes, they don't want to sit and be told 
about their form. Right. They're, they're there to work out for 45 minutes. There to get minutes. my sweat. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's fine too, right? I also support that. Like I've seen multiple people who come in and they want to continue to go to Orange Theory or they want to continue to go to one of those uh, group classes. And I say, you know, go ahead, but let's spend the time in here really nailing down all of the stuff that you're not getting there so right. that you go there more informed and you know what your limitations are. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause yeah, back to, back to where we started, like sometimes a lot of the time, like more times than people think less is more. Yeah. Um, and, and it's hard, right? Because people think like, well, I'm, I'm paying you to make me sweat. I'm paying you to put me through, <laughs> to make me sore and to do all of this extra, right? Cause they yeah. just, the way that they relate to exercise in their body mm-hmm. is through this lens of like, diet culture and like yeah. really big fitness like I yeah and you know my goal is to bring people back to reality right is to is to focus on longevity and sustainability and say you had two hours you had a night where you had two hours of sleep high stress probably didn't eat enough probably didn't drink enough water like yep. your body is not set up at this point to do these things mentally I understand that we could push through and that's an important piece too like there are also days where you're going to come in and you're going to feel like crap and you don't want to be there, yeah. but the mental push is important then. And I'm also yeah. here for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I love that differentiating is, is important. Um, I would like to just very briefly ask you one question that, you know, I know you and I already have the same answer towards this, but you had mentioned in your movement assessment, like you go through with people, you always look at a squat, you look at a hinge, you look at some other movements, um, uh, stability versus mobility. Mm-hmm. So, um, I find myself discussing with clients you know, what a hinge is every single day in the clinic, you know, squatting versus deadlifting. Um, But there still seems to be this uh, perception out there in the world that deadlifting or hinging is bad for your back, right? So I'm assuming you've handled that question multiple times from clients. So when somebody, when you have somebody do a hinge or a deadlift, or you maybe suggest, hey, we're going to teach you how to deadlift. And maybe they say, but isn't that bad for my back? Yeah. How do you normally handle that conversation? Because um, I don't think people could hear this enough times. So uh, I would just love to throw it on. Yeah. I think just educating the clients and the people, right? Most of it is starting with execution. Like, are you even performing? Are you doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing or like your goal or intention? So teaching them that there's not a lot of knee bend in a hinge, right? Like just showing them the difference between how it looks mm-hmm. um, and where should we should be intentionally focusing our, our energy. Where should we be feeling it the most? Like telling them what muscles are supposed to be working first, second, and third, and then maybe explaining back to them, like, this is the path, this is the order that yours are happening in. And this is the order that it should be happening yeah, in. Right. And then, you know, explaining like, the role of the glutes, the role of the core, the role of the lats, the role of um, just being very mindful. And like, like I said, just focusing on the execution. I kind of get into this with other personal trainers too, that will implement a movement that could potentially be a good movement, but if you're not executing it well, it's not a good movement. It could potentially be a harmful movement. That the hinge is one of those. Mm -hmm. It could be one of the greatest movements for you. Full body strength, resilience, like power, all the things powerhouse can make your back stronger than ever. But if even just a couple things are off and then you try to load up that movement, it could potentially be really bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, education, execution, and just like giving them, like teaching them how. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's more about how you're moving than what you're doing, right? Like how are you doing what you're doing? Always. And that can make a huge, it's a quality thing, right? Is your movement quality? If it is, chances are you're going to tolerate that much better. And, um, you know, respond to that in a positive way and see improvement from that. 
But even people who are very, very proficient at doing certain movements still occasionally will get themselves into a bad position, do something a little off, yep. and then maybe they feel feel some some pain or discomfort as a result of that. Usually what happens though is the more proficient you are with something, the more tolerance you build yourself and the more resilience you your body has to withstand a a rep that's maybe not as good here or there. Yeah. And you have better awareness and, you know, then the deeper dive then, right? If you really are proficient, you understand how you're moving everything. Then like what other factors were at play that caused this? Um, mm -hmm. Do we have an underlying strength or stability issue somewhere else? Did you not sleep well? Did you, you know, are you not hydrated? Whatever that may be. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's why I love all this stuff. It's super intricate. It's super detailed. It's as individual as it is, it's also very similar throughout. Like it's just making those minor changes depending on who's in front of you. And, you know, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, this, how I want to kind of like start to slowly wrap this episode up, you know, is I feel like you have a little bit more because of your personal experience with it. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know if expertise is the word I'm looking for, but like you have more ability to talk on this topic that you started to go down before on you know body image and eating disorders and things than other people that we've had on this show who may not have had that same personal experience that you've had yeah you mentioned kind of like the bodybuilding world and you know i i would say that i think there's a perception out there that and i think it's because there's been a lot of examples that eating disorders or changing the way that you eat and how you feel about how you're eating um, can potentially get very skewed mm -hmm. if you're very in that world for a long time. Yeah. Um, because your world tends to revolve around like your food, your training, tracking every every single thing. And um, if you don't do that to some extent, it's gonna be hard to get the results that you're looking for. Yeah. So there was a recent story that I just saw on Instagram yesterday. I decided to share it to my page. The 2022 track world championships just happened um or i don't even know if they're 100 done but they're like most of the way done if they're not just happened in oregon and i was sort of like trying to stay tuned in to some of the highlights and one of the runners and hopefully i pronounce her name right kiera diamato she's a u.s marathoner she took eighth place at the uh world championships oh, yeah. a handful of days ago um she was you know she's a world-class runner she's thin she just happens to be you know maybe taller than the average runner so she's like sitting out somewhere like at a park or at a restaurant or something she ends up talking to this random person random gentleman and oh hey what do you do are you here for the world championships whatever and she's like yeah i'm actually a marathoner she didn't tell him i just took eighth place in the world yeah um and his response was wow you you look big to be a runner type of thing, right? So it was like a body image type of um, comment Common. that what she ends up saying is she's heard this many times over the course of her life because like you said, going through the pandemic, you had a great support system mm -hmm. and people around you, she was able to handle this scenario like in a good way and not let it sort of like derail her and send her down the spiral because she has a great support system around her. This is not the first time she's heard this. Yeah, She has a lot of great coaches and individuals that, that support her, but I think this is something that happens often. And when I shared this to my page, especially being a male, I got a handful of other people commenting like, hey, thanks for sharing this because I've heard this before in my life. Yes. So, you know, I would just love for you to maybe talk for a minute on like that kind of topic on, you know, you've been through some eating and body like situation in your life before. And, you know, how do you 
how do you navigate that? Um, I'm sure it's something that like, it's like never like it's done, right? right? Like it's totally. something that you work on. Um, like we're always working on ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you've had other conversations with people you've worked with along this topic. Yeah. I know I said a lot of stuff right there. No, it's good. And honestly, like, like I said, you'll maybe we'll have to like direct me because I just have so many thoughts and so many things. Mm -hmm. But as far as like, first and foremost, if you feel like you are in a situation where like food or your body image is, is something that just circulates in your mind all the time, it's obsessive. It's, you know, it's painful. It's hard. It's a challenge. Like I recommend therapy first and foremost, even if, you know, it's a situation where you're like, well, I'm not that bad. Like just go and talk through some stuff because mm -hmm. to me, that's the most, that's the most helpful and the most like accurate way that you can handle anything like that is therapy. That's number one. Two, as women, we are so much more susceptible, especially for men. I don't know what happens in their minds, but for some reason, men just think that they can make comments about women's bodies. I mean, I do know why, but it's, it's a common thing. And I think that as women, we need to get more comfortable with standing up for ourselves or setting boundaries in those moments, right? Mm -hmm. Like somebody says something to me about my, I mean, I have broad shoulders. I'm a muscular girl. I always have been Yeah. Um, from the time that I started lifting. I mean, I think I was 17 and had been lifting for a year or two. The first time that somebody asked me if I was going to do a bodybuilding show because of how quickly my, my body developed muscularly. Yeah. And anytime that you look different as a female, you don't right. fit those norms. Like people feel like they can say stuff to you. So I think, you know, having the self-worth, the competence, and almost kind of like anticipating those comments and, and figuring out how you want to show up. Yeah. Like, how can I be kind and gentle? I don't need to tell this dude to screw off. You could be like, no, Hey, I don't, I don't really know why that was a necessary comment for you to make or like mm -hmm. whatever you figure out to protect yourself. And then the support system is so important. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, throughout times, like our bodies change. And I think with diet culture being the way it is and, you know, the ideal bodies that are out in social media, constantly having that comparison and, um, you know, it makes me so sad when I have, especially female clients who come in, I'm, you know, maybe she's five foot 10 and she's a curvier person. And she shows me a picture of like a five foot five athletic built yeah. woman. She's like, this is what I want to look like. Sure. Right. And it's, you know, you can't, that's, you can look as good as your body can look and it looks good all the time, no matter what, because it's yep. your body. Right. But you know, it's, there are just so many facets to what influences how we feel like we should look mm. internalizing how we feel about ourselves, especially when stuff is reflected back. So, I mean, ultimately just like doing your work and figuring out what you're willing to put up with, how you want to approach your life. You know, at this point I haven't tracked a calorie or thought yeah. about a macro or anything in probably three years. I feel the healthiest mentally and emotionally, physically, like I found a balance. I've learned how to trust myself and be more intuitive about the food I eat. Mm -hmm. Um, and most of the time, like my default is I don't, I don't really talk about it a lot. Like I don't, I would never make comments on somebody else's food or body because, right. you know, and it's, and it's a tough place to be. Like when I tell people I don't do weight loss or aesthetic goals, they're like, but you're a personal trainer. Like, what do you mean? And like you said, at the beginning, I can have those conversations and give that guidance. Like I'm here to be a resource or a support, but I actually did a consult with a lady the other day who struggles with binge eating. And one of my biggest piece of advice to her was to integrate the foods that she found herself binging on into her diet on a regular basis. I think that's a great recommendation. She had never heard that ever. Like she was like 54 and the first time that she had ever heard anybody mention something like that. Mm -hmm. And because it is counterintuitive and in 
diet culture right now. It's like, oh, cookies are bad. So I can't have them in the house. I can't be anywhere near them. And if I do eat them, I have to eat them until I can't eat anymore because I never want to do that again. Right. Versus when you like sit down and have a nice meal and you're craving a cookie and you go and you eat a cookie and then hopefully it takes time, but like you walk away and you don't even think about it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Erin did the same thing yeah. when she was training for these shows and she's, you know, tracking yes. everything real close. Yes. Now I would not be the person to tell you that Oreos are good for you. Correct. They're not good for you. Highly processed, all this stuff. Right. Um, if you go, go and listen to our episode, that's called the code to nutrition. Yeah. You, you won't hear me mention Oreos in there, Yeah. but just like you said, she was like in prep for her show yeah. and she was trying to avoid like going off the rails on a random evening. Yeah. She was eating one Oreo a day or every other day or something like yes. tracked into her macros yeah. that her coach had laid out for her. Yep. But so that she was like, I'm just going to give myself just a little bit of this so that it's not haunting me in the cabinet over, yes. over there. So yeah. so yeah, I think it's a great recommendation. Yeah. And even in that situation, like it, it upsets me when people take general population, like longevity based fitness goals, like weight loss goals, and then they approach it like they're a bodybuilder. Right. Like you don't need that kind of rigidity. You don't yeah. need that kind of restriction. It's going to be worse for you mm-hmm. mentally and physically. I mean, like I said, whole other, um, whole other tangent. But, yeah. you know, people who say that you can't eat a dirt, dessert every day and still have abs, like you're lying because you might not be able to sit down and eat an entire cake every day. Sure. Yeah. But like you have a bite or two of cake at a time when like you feel secure and confident enough with food that you can have a bite or two, feel the satisfaction and walk away. Like that's asinine to most people because they think like, Oh God, I just could never control myself in that way. And trust me when I say I spent 10 years in a binge restrict cycle feeling controlled and just absolutely obsessed with food and my body and through therapy, time healing, all this stuff, incorporating the foods in like I don't feel insecure or unsafe with any food anymore. And it's like, the most liberating feeling. Yeah. It's, um, it's different, right? Cause like you feel like you, the controls back in your hands type of thing. Yes. Right? Like it's really not controlling you. You're yes. controlling it. Yeah. Correct. Um, so yeah, that's the, no, I appreciate that. Totally. I, I just kind of wanted to talk on that because we haven't gotten into this type of conversation on any other episodes that we've done. Yep. And, um, it's, it was, uh, relevant to this like recent post that I saw and, you know, I don't know who this person was that made this comment. The comment is, first of all, it's uncalled for. Right. It's unnecessary. Like, Just. talk about something else. I mean, my God, talk about the weather or something right. for crying out loud. And then second of all, this woman is in like, scroll credit. she's in like peak shape. She is, she does not look big for a runner. She's just tall. Yes. Right. She is tall. She is super lean. Yes. She's super fast. And yeah, I mean, maybe the, the average, like really, really high level um endurance runner probably does tend to be a little bit shorter that's mm-hmm. a more economical yep. like efficient situation yep. however then then say that say right. wow, you're, you're really you're tall taller runner, yeah exactly right. cuz those are different words big yes. and tall are not the same thing yes yes and um even though we kind of use them a lot at the same time but that's not the you know the messaging yeah that's not what the person hears you say right right and a lot of times we don't think about how something might be received before we say it. We just say things. And um, unless you are, whether it's called out on it or questioned back after the fact, like people just get used to making these comments and then they keep doing it. Exactly. But if someone were to ask them, you know, why in like a very polite tone, like, 
Why did you think you needed to mention that? Correct. Right. That's I don't know that they would have a I don't know that they would have a response back because they've probably never been asked that question before. Right. Yeah. And that's where I think the boundaries are important, because not only are you standing up for yourself, but you're teaching that person what's okay and what's not okay. Yeah. And when you don't have, you know, the security and it's hard, right? It's hard to speak up in those moments. But when you don't have the ability to stand up for yourself, then they're just going to continue to go around and do it because they don't know. Yeah, exactly. And then really quick, just off of what you said, there's no one body type for any situation, no, right? Not. And and how you look does not necessarily correlate to your level of health, right? Like I can promise you that when I was 7% body fat and 120 pounds, I was, and ripped. Yeah. I was so much less healthy than I am at 135, 140 pounds. Yeah. Eating well, sleeping enough, drinking enough water. Like just because somebody looks really fit mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that they're healthy. I think that's an extremely important thing to mention. And I think it gets a little confusing, right? Like in in culture and in society, we see these magazines, we see all this stuff, but we have like we have like two problems going on, mm-hmm. right? We have the average person in the United States is unfit and unhealthy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Overweight, obese, high percentage of those things, high percentage of type two diabetes, right. things that you know we have control over that we could improve. Now the FDA and stuff isn't helping us do right. this, and government's not helping us do this because what's getting promoted doesn't help promote health and, right. and wellness. Yes. But we also have a skewed perception of like what healthy is because mm-hmm. we see we see people like you just said, someone who's like absolutely shredded. That doesn't mean they're healthy, right? right? That means they're really lean yeah. and potentially very muscular. Yes. That doesn't mean that they're healthy. Right. They might be doing a lot of other things. There might be a lot of Photoshop and steroids and who the heck knows what else is going on to right. make that person appear the way that they do. But, um, you know, we got these two ends of the spectrum when really we probably need to be in the middle somewhere, right? And have a little bit of balance and having, you know, depending on how you're talking about health, right? It's, yeah, it's what you eat and how your body looks and feels, but it's also, you know, what's your stress level and what are your community relationships like? And what's your family life like? And what's your work? And like health is a very... Uh, multifaceted thing. So yeah. And those things can affect your physical body. I remember at a point where I was, I was going through a lot in my life, Mm -hmm. Um, lots of stress, lots of changes, lots of things. And I got very physically ill Mm -hmm. um, as a manifestation of all of that, like mental and emotional stress. I put on 30 pounds in like three, four weeks, like short period of time. My body just started packing things on. Right. And I didn't change anything. I didn't change the way I was eating or exercising. And actually the the resolve of that situation was working out less and eating, you know, more often and drinking more and sleeping more, taking more days off, like, because stress can be such a thing to where it has more control than any control that you try to like take in. So, um, you know, obviously that's a little bit more of a unique situation, but it's real and it matters. And if you're somebody who's like really struggling to get to a place that you want to be, um, you know, look at your stress levels first, mm-hmm. like look there, how many things are happening that are just absolutely creating chaos or, or turmoil in your life. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, maybe try to modify that first because eventually your body thinks even good stress is stress Yeah. and we can't handle stress. And so, you know, right. Well, and I think, you know, there's just another kind of point to the solution or, you know, the direction that you should go to help address a particular problem isn't always, intuitive right it's not always what you would think like you know you just said the answer was 
a lot of the things that I wasn't doing. It was the opposite. That's why it's always, always important to have resources and coaches and things at your, you know, that at your disposal, that people that you can reach out to, to um, help you look at a scenario different than what you're seeing it yourself. Like take that 30,000 foot view at the scenario. Cause it's hard to see it when you're in it yes. type of thing. Yes. Um, well, we could keep talking about this forever, but, um, but you know, I want to make sure if someone was listening to this and any part of this episode resonated with them, they want to be able to reach out to you, get in touch with you after the show. What's the best way for people to get in contact with you, whether that's, you know, social media or, or however it is, what's, what's the best way? Yeah. Uh, my website has the most like information on it. My phone number, that's how you, um, email me to book a consult. So it's www.embodiedmovementts.com. Um, super easy. Both mine and Maddie's information is on there. So you can take a look. Um, we are also embodied movement underscore TS on Instagram and embodied movement training systems on Facebook. Any of those ways are good, um, resources for us. Awesome. Lizzie, this was great. We'll put those, um, you know, website, social pages and things in the show notes for this show. So if you guys are listening to this, you'll be able to find those. If you have any issues with that, please, please reach out to, uh, to us at the code, um, or type those things in that you just heard Lizzie say, but thank you so much for your time being on here. If you do get people reaching out to you kind of about any of this stuff or if, or if we do, and you know, it basically comes up like we need to do another episode on one particular topic that we started to talk about, then we'll make that happen. But awesome. appreciate all of you guys for tuning in to the code to listen to this. And um, Lizzie, I hope you have an awesome day. Thanks, Lizzie, you too. Great. It. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. <laughs>